It's the Stinking Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome in. Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside my co-host, Mike Evans, Scott DeHub, producing the show. Uh, and Michael, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Yeah? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, holidays coming up quick. couple weeks. You ready? I know. No. Uh-huh. Am I ready? I was just thinking about it today because I haven't even thought about any of it. And I was like, oh, shoot. I'm going to have to buy my wife something. You know? <laughs> oh shoot! I have to buy my wife something. <laughs> like, what do you buy? Now, that's the holiday spirit, right? right what there. do you buy? What what gift do you buy for the woman that's already bought herself everything? <laughs> like what? I mean, what what gift do you get her? I don't know. I like so. I thought to myself, I put it on my note, like my list of things to do today. It was like ask your wife what she wants, and then just say, okay, get it and okay. order it in. Merry Christmas. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm the worst. I, I this time it's so hard with the football season and all the. The games and the studio stuff, and then the radio stuff, and I you know, just didn't. I don't, well, luckily, I don't our uh, football stocking is full right now yes. with uh, all kinds of goodies, including, oh, yeah. wow, stop me if you've heard this before the Patriots involved in a cheating scandal. Mm, interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I kind of vacillate back and forth on this, Mike. Like, what is your initial, what's your initial, give me your initial reaction. My initial reaction is they can't possibly be so stupid or so arrogant as to actually knowingly be doing this kind of stuff. Can they? Well, I mean, sure they can. Seriously? <laughs> you can't, you have to be, again, either so stupid or so arrogant to not think that teams may be looking for this kind of stuff. Here's here's what I know. Like, think about these guys that get caught up in these like white collar crime scandals, these you know, these these Wall Street guys, you know, the Bernie Madoffs of the world, who've got more money than they know what to do with, but they continue to rip people off. They continue to cheat. Why? Because they're cheaters. That's what they do. Like that, I mean, a cheater's gonna cheat. If that's the way you've garnered information, that's the way you've done it, you've circumvented rules, you've done whatever the case. You, like, think about any line of, of cheaters that finally get caught. Do uh, like do drug cartels quit dealing drugs when they have enough money? Or do they continue to dr- deal drugs? They continue to deal drugs. Why? Because they're drug dealers. That's what they do. Like, if you're a cheater... And that's all you've ever done. Wow, this done. is really going to endear you with uh, Patriots country out there. You just compared but, them to drug dealers. But no, but, the, but I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, if that's what you do, that's that's the way you've garnered information. Because I'm with you. Like it's really hard to me for me to believe that you you willingly sent somebody out there to record the sidelines to see what information you could glean. Like that's that's hard to believe. Also hard for me to believe when you instantly come out and disavow the people that are working for you and act like you've never heard of these, like, well, I don't know what they do. Uh, like, that's not really part of our organization, uh, or they're not part of our organization, or we in the football side don't know what they're doing. I mean, that to me seems absolutely asinine. It seems ridiculous. Come on. It's the New England Patriots. They know everything that's going on. You think Bill Belichick, the guy who knows every rule, I mean, he could pick pick out a rule and he could basically exploit that rule in the playbook. Oh, that's uh 
that's Rule 14, Article 5, Section 37 that, you know, I mean, like you see it on a on a year-to-year, game-to-game, month-to-month basis with this Patriots team. So it's hard for me to buy that we don't know what's going on. And, oh, by the way, by the way, think about this now. Most of what you do in the NFL now is not hand signals anymore like it was back in the day. You know, it's it's about you've got the headsets on and they're telling you, you know, what plays you're going to run and stuff. But everybody still see has some hand signals. Everybody still has that in, in case communications break down or if there's something, you know, that you can identify personnel groupings that's coming in or whatever the case may be. Like there's still value to, to watching that stuff. And if you're just shooting B-roll, and this is what I know about television, B-roll is just background video, right? It's background video you want. You want some background sideline video, you shoot 30 seconds of it and you turn it off because that's enough. You don't record the whole first quarter. Uh Uh-uh. No, unless you're trying to find something. Unless you're trying to look at it. Like, why else would you do it, Mike? You wouldn't. So, it like, those things make you raise your eyebrows, especially with the history. And, oh, by the way, the history, people say, well, it's the Bengals. Like, they don't need to record the sideline of the Bengals. Like, they're a much better team. Oh, okay, well, when the Jets scandal went down with Spygate, you know what the Jets' record was that year? 4-12. and Cheaters going to cheat because that's what they do. So if they're guilty of doing this, what's the punishment? If they find them to be guilty, and, again, I don't know that they will. I, I really don't. Does the NFL really want this as a scandal in a day and age where part of what's what's helping this organization or this the the salary cap just went up like another ten million dollars, ten to twenty million dollars salary cap just went up. Um, it's a fourteen billion dollar a year industry, and it's and it's rising. One of the things that's driving is fantasy football. Um, Gambling sites, uh, daily fantasy—you know all the stuff. It's that's a real part of a revenue stream. You think you want all of a sudden the integrity of the league to be called into question because one of the teams is circumventing the rules? I I just don't know that they'll find no, anything. No, but the the owners certainly wanted their pound of flesh because they didn't feel like Spygate was penalized enough. Enough, so that's why Deflategate was probably over the top. But it was the it, owners have shown before when it comes to the Patriots, they want their pound of flesh. Might they want it again? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I would say I would say that, you know, if you go down this road, then it's got to be da- then it's got to go down the, the New Orleans Saints road for Bounty Gate. By the way, I mean, every one of us was involved in bounties. I was. I raised my hand. I thought that was a complete and total witch hunt, and it was ridiculous. I thought it was the the punishment of that was did not fit the crime, um, but it was what the NFL was saying is, "Hey, every organization, stop doing this. We know you're all doing it. Stop doing it, and we're going to take the poster boy, which is you know, which is Sean Payton, and we're going to dramatically punish the guy." A year away from football. I mean, it's it it was serious. That's serious stuff, and I would imagine the punishment would have to be the same. And for all those people who listen to this, were, that are going to be on me about, well, your Broncos circumvented the salary cap during your champ. Yeah, they did. Yep, and they got punished. I think it was nine hundred thousand dollars. They may have lost a draft choice or something like that, right? 
But the whole point of it is, okay, they circumvented the salary cap. What they were doing was deferring money. Everybody can defer money. It's a, a matter of how much you defer, and they went over the threshold, I think, is how the whole thing worked. They went over the threshold. So you think about that, what does it ultimately garner you? Another player or two on the bottom of your roster? But still, it was it was illegal. They did it. They paid the fines for it. And you move on. I don't believe they've been caught doing it since. That's the, that's the point, is they haven't been caught doing it since. I'm not saying they haven't done it. Just saying they haven't been caught. And the the point being is that I don't know how much of an advantage it is. Um, all I know, it's illegal. You can't do it. It's You've been punished for it before. And if you're doing it again because it's what you've done throughout the course of your career. I mean, think about this. You went to Cleveland to film this in-house, you know, do-your-job series to Cleveland to shoot it with an upcoming appointment with a advanced scout, all right, and you didn't tell the Bengals or the league that you were doing it. I don't know if that's protocol or not. Like, I'll, I'll give you an interesting story. We used to have, when I played for the Washington Redskins, we had an advanced scout. Every team has advanced scouts, every one of them. Now, I don't know that I've ever met anyone but the one I'm going to tell you about. So they go out to all these games. There's always scouts, and they're writing reports on players and schemes and all these things to give to the coaches as they get ready to break down a game and to break down an opponent, right? So we had this one guy who was really thorough, and several times Joe Gibbs had him address the team with his scouting report. And I think oftentimes it was a team that maybe didn't have a great record but had really good players. I'll give you a for instance the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, back when I was playing for the Skins, you look at their defense, they had seven first-rounders on their defense. They always had great, like, great players. They weren't a good team, but they had great players. And part of it was, don't overlook this football team because it can beat you with the talent that they have assembled. That was kind of the theory. And so this advanced scout would get up in front of the, of the whole team and he would go through his scouting report. And you'd listen to him talk about players and what this guy did and what he's done and, and like like what his attributes are and all this kind of stuff. Never one time did the advanced scout ever talk about sideline operations or about coaches' hand signals or what they did on the sideline. You know why? Because it's not relevant to their job. Their job is to scout the players. Their job is to scout the scheme, not to look at the sideline for tells. Right, So if you've got a quarter worth of video that you've recorded of their coaches on the sideline, you're up to no good. If it's more than a minute for B-roll, 30 seconds to a minute for B-roll, you're doing something that you think you can get an advantage for and you're using it, you know, surreptitiously using that video to benefit you. And that's wrong, and you should be punished for it. So we go from uh, potential Spygate 2 to uh, Bowling Gate. <laughs> the Le'Veon Bell. This guy, man. Man, I wish we could all go through life almost as blissfully unaware as Le'Veon Bell seems to be, where he says, yeah, I, uh, I, uh, I had the flu. Uh, couldn't play on Sunday, but I could go bowling. And what do you know with the flu? I put up a personal best, 251. 
And then he said, I haven't been a distraction until now. <laughs> and he kind of laughed it off. I mean, the guy is just sort of he gives blissfully unaware. Yeah. I, he just or, does, or maybe no, he just doesn't give a he shit. Gives, right? He gives zero shits. Yeah. He just doesn't care. He knows the Jets are bad. He It's a bad situation. He's getting paid. What does he care? I mean, the fact that – here's here's my take, I, and I haven't heard anybody talk about this. Um, they are sick of – he's a good player. He does a lot of things well. How many times have I played with the flu? How many times have my teammates played with the flu? Hell, go back through the archives of, of sports in general. We praise Michael Jordan, the flu game. It's like a whole documentary. The flu game's a documentary. Like you you get your players away from the team. Like I I had a flu really bad. I think we we're playing uh we we're playing um the Lions. I was in Washington, had it really bad, like really, really sick. Came in for meetings, Saturday night meetings, and um and I think we're playing them in the NFC championship game. Came in for Saturday night meetings. Got IVs, just laid in the training room, Got put a bunch of antibiotics in me, a bunch of medicine, right? Got a bunch of IVs, missed all their Saturday meetings, then went to went to uh, the hotel, my own room, uh, told me not to come to the meetings because I was so sick. No meetings, no none of that. Got up the next morning, went to the stadium, and played, and we beat the— Did you still feel like— as bad Sunday oh, morning as you felt Saturday night? Yeah, I still felt – I didn't feel as bad, but I still was really sick. But it ended up dispensing justice, and we won that game like 45-10, to 10, you know, to go to the Super Bowl. Like, how many guys – I was at that game. Were you at that yeah, game? Yeah, I covered that game. You Little did? did I know that the heroism yeah. that was – Going it's on I do. down on that field that I was just it's what unaware of it's what I do. Mike. <laughs> I mean, but not. I, I'm just telling you the story because I know dozens. It, it happens. Yeah. It happens every week. Every week there's somebody sick. So the fact that you would send him home, like you would send him home on Friday and go, "Hey, you're not. We're already ruling you out for Sunday." That's a tell, huh? That's it. That doesn't that just say we don't really want you around here anymore. You're just like you may not have done anything to be a distraction, but you certainly haven't elevated elevated yeah. everybody else's play, <laughs> right. right? You're not a force multiplier. Yeah, <laughs> from a from a cultural standpoint. And then you come, and then you have the, I mean, just the balls. That dude must just have like, it's like that that episode of South Park when they were willing. The guy's balls around in the wheelbarrow. What was it? <laughs> yeah. Because you were getting, oh, I know what it was. But they they purposely gave themselves testicular cancer so they get marijuana. So they get a prescription for marijuana. I think is what the what the the whole premise of the show was. South Park is ridiculous. But he's just, Randy, it was Randy. It was wheeling his nuts around in a wheelbarrow. Like, that's the kind of nutsack you yeah. have. Just a, you yes, here you giant go. Put him garbles. in the wheelbarrow. Yeah, giant. Like, yeah, whatever. I'm going to go bowling. I'm out of the game. They've already ruled me out. And I bowled a 251. Yeah, that's With, right. Well, coming off the flu. Off the flu. I felt better. Wow. Um all right, let's get let's get to some of the um, the actual action on the field. <laughs> Sometimes that takes a. It's not as interesting as stuff going on off the field. Game of the year, Saints, New Orleans. Wow. 
Yeah, how Who about, saw that one I coming? Mean, how about how about that? I didn't, you know, I didn't see the offensive explosion. You know, there's this, there's this. Uh, gosh, I can't even remember what it's called. It's a site, like a Twitter site, um, that that deals with scores that have never happened before. Okay, and I forget what it's called. Um, sc- scoregasm or something like that. It's like some some you know clever little. Stupid name. But do you know that that particular score, what was it, 48-46? 48-46. Has Thank never, God for saying it the right way, by the way. 48-46? Yeah. Has never happened in the history of the NFL. 48-46. 48-46 huh. has never happened. That, that was the first game that that has ever happened in the NFL. So, you know, they've got this whole alert. I don't know. what it's not. I don't think it's scoregasm, but that's the first thing that popped into my head. So I just said it. Hey. <laughs> it's you, a talent. <laughs> you get orgasms on your mind. So, um, I, you know, I mean, it was it, like to be able to go back and forth and to battle that way. And, you know, the interesting thing to me is, you know, having done several Niners games and talking to, you know, Kyle Shanahan it's about, you know, he's always said this, and not being derogatory toward his quarterback, but he's like, hey, listen, man, you know, he makes two or three mistakes a game, and he goes, if we get into one of these games where you got to throw it a bunch, um, you know, do those two or three mistakes become five or six or seven mistakes? And Because that's going to cost us a game. Jimmy Garoppolo goes 26 of 20, uh, 35, 74.3% completion rate, 349 yards, four TDs, and a pick. Got sacked three times. In a game where... They didn't run it with frequency. They ran it well for yards per carry, but didn't run it with frequency because they were in this score fest. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo was tremendous. I mean, absolutely tremendous, as was Drew Brees. So I, I tell you what, um, you look at you look at the the league right now. Those two teams in the NFC got to clearly be kind of the the class of the NFC. Seattle is no easy out. They're going to be great. As a matter of fact. That division is probably going to come down to a game between the Niners and the Seahawks. I think it's, is it a week 17 or week 16 game? Last week. The last week yeah. of the season. It's going to come down to that. And, and remember, Seattle went to San Francisco earlier in the season and beat them. So it's going to come down to that game for that division and probably the number one overall seed, Mike. This is, it's incredible. And then you look at the AFC. I mean, New England seems to be reeling right now. One of the reasons they're in Cincinnati taping, or they're in yeah, Cleveland taping yeah. Cincinnati yeah. sidelines, <laughs> they seem to be reeling right now. Kansas City, all of a sudden, don't look now, but all of a sudden, Kansas City. I'm not going to talk about their offense. I'm talking about their defense is starting to play well, really well. So all of a sudden, they're starting to play well. The Baltimore Ravens have clearly been the best team in the AFC pretty much all season long. I mean, this is there are some teams that are starting to. Kind of flex their chests a little bit. Yep, yep. And you know, I'd be curious. I'm curious to see what happens with Kansas City. Can they avoid the dreaded Patriot hangover? Because two weeks or last week, mm-hmm. you had a Houston team coming off a big win over New England and never beaten you know the Patriots before. Right. Had an obvious letdown. Uh, you know, I'm not taking anything away from what the Broncos did. The Broncos played very well. We'll get to Drew Locke here in a second, but. You know, they, they clearly weren't the same team that right. you know hammered the Patriots the week before. I'll be curious to see if Kansas City 
you you know what kind of emotional win that was for them going up to Foxborough, ending New England's 21-game home winning streak. I mean, that's, right. a, that's a big deal. Do they suffer a letdown against the Broncos this week? It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see. Is Drew Locke, Drew Locke, Missouri's own Drew Locke, homecoming. There's expected to be about 40 to 50 friends and family there. Is is this kid, of all the young quarterbacks that we've watched this year, I, I mean, where, where would you put his debut yeah, compared well, to some of these guys? Well, his road debut was amazing. Historic. It was as good as it gets. Like you said, historic. Uh, his first game, he missed a bunch of throws. Um, there's five or six throws. He just They were just really poor throws. But he comes back. I mean, he storms back. He makes great throws. Now, like, I was a bit surprised at, like, Kansas City was so, they were so fearful of Cortland Sutton, which is good, you know, that you've got that kind of fear going. But you're so fearful of Cortland Sutton beating you. You double-teamed him pretty much the entirety of the game. You played man under a bunch. And your guys just couldn't hold up in coverage, whether it was, you know, running backs or whether it was the tight end or whoever the case may be, you blew a couple of those coverages and you couldn't hold up in coverage and that kid picked you apart. Plus, you know, some of the play calling, some of getting him on the edge, the boot keep game, some of the things they did, um, you know, because of his athleticism, it, it shows. Like they have they have opened up a few things, a few wrinkles, if you will, within their offense that have helped them because of the mobility and, and the the arm talent of Drew Locke. So that part is a good thing. Um, they have – when was the last time the Broncos actually beat the Chiefs? It's been like eight, eight, in a row. eight straight losses to the Chiefs. I mean, that's – hell, that's – but this will be four – this will be four – it's four and a half seasons, right? Yes. Four and a half seasons without beating the Chiefs. They seem to have their number. And they have been able, in a defense that has been really good this season, the the Chiefs are just so flipping fast and talented mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. The thing that they have done, honestly, the thing they've done really well is they have been able to hold up in what we like to call 5-0 protection. Meaning our five offensive linemen can hold up with that whatever you other whatever five. Like we're not afraid to go one on one across the board with you. And one of them is uh Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle has has had, in my mind, he's pretty much had Vaughn Miller's number one on one. And then whether it's Fisher or whoever else plays on the other side has done a good job of locking down that edge. And they have been able to go one-on-one with the Broncos and hold up. And when you can do that, what ends up happening to you is you can't cover Travis Kelsey for more than two and a half seconds. You can't cover Tyreek Hill for more than a second and a half. You can't cover – they've got some other kids they drafted that – and I don't even know the name – 17 and a couple other kids that can just – Oh, the McCole Hardmans of the world. Just they could fly. just flat run. And Sammy Watkins could still run. And Sammy Watkins, yeah. So they're, they're, the, the talent level for them is just so extreme mm-hmm. 
there's no question in my mind, and I haven't well, I haven't looked this up, but there's no question they've got more 40-yard touchdowns, you know, 40-plus-yard touchdowns than any team in the league. Um, they strike from long distance. They consistently do it. They did it to New England last week. A team I didn't think was going to give up a 40-yarder. They did. I think they gave up one big 40-plus-yarder for a score. So I, I just – have a tough time. I think it's just a bad matchup. I, I, just, I, you know, and right this now, defense of Kansas City is is actually game better. Yeah, Matthew and, is playing great. They got Chris Jones back from injury. That guy's been a game wrecker against the Broncos. They've got a. They just have a. Uh, they have a team that matches up. And, and well. I'll tell you what. I I know Lamar Jackson is is the rage right now, and the, what the Ravens are doing is the rage. But Kansas City's got enough. Personal experience going up against the mm-hmm. Ravens and Lamar Jackson. That right now, if I I had to call my shot, I think the Chiefs would be my pick to to win the really? AFC. Yeah, the the Chiefs, Mike. The Chiefs. They're the Chiefs. I know. Come on, the I know. Chiefs are gonna win. The Chiefs. I know. I, know. I don't know. I know you got. Aye. You kind of have a, Aye. you kind of got a John Harbaugh man crush going on right now. You have, oh yeah, you are digging yourself some Harbaugh right now. I really am. Although the Chiefs did beat uh, Baltimore earlier in the year, I know. But um, and I know Lamar Jackson hadn't really taken off yet. But I, I, I was listening to Tony Dungy in an interview, mm-hmm. and he was asked about Lamar Jackson. And he said, I don't think the league is going to figure him out this year. Correct. He said something really interesting. He said, watch what happens during this offseason. Because of the influence that the college game is having on the NFL, this is the latest example of the old guard of the NFL struggling with Mm -hmm. the newest stuff coming out of college. And he said, you watch. These NFL teams will show up at college spring practices and pick the brain of these college coaches, how do you stop these kind of quarterbacks, these kind of offenses? Mm -hmm. And you watch, in Dungy's opinion, this is Dungy's opinion, the league will catch up, but not until next year. But Kansas City, what, they played Lamar Jackson last year? Mm -hmm. Um, Played him again this year? Yeah. So I I just think that they've got enough – institutional knowledge of what's going on there that they'll be able to make adjustments better than probably anybody else in the AFC can. I guarantee you they spent, whenever their bye week was, they spent it studying it. I guarantee you. Now, they still did the advanced scouting and who they were going to play and all that stuff. I guarantee you they spent time doing that. It's funny, I was just talking to a defensive coordinator in the league who said the exact same thing. Said, this is what's going to happen. He goes, it always takes us a year on the defensive side when something new and innovative hits. Like, and he said, he, he referenced he referenced the Wildcat. He goes, well, none of us knew how to defend the Wildcat when, the, when Miami first broke it out against New England and rushed for 200-plus yards. None of us did. And we all struggled for that whole year. Everybody had a Wildcat package. They all called it something different. You know, it was, we had in Denver, it was Wild Horses, remember? That's what they called it. And all over, like, uh, you know, Atlanta was like, it was like Falcon Alert or some stupid, you know. This is really dumb. This is a bunch <laughs> of really dumb. 
whatever you whatever you did. But the 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 point being is everybody put the package in. How many teams are still running any even a, a slight version of Wildcat? It's really only a handful of teams. New Orleans does it because they have that Tyson Hill kid. You know, there's a couple of teams that run it occasionally, but not it's not a whole like big giant package of it. And there's a bunch of teams that don't have any of it because they'll figure they figure a way around it. So you're right; they'll they'll get to those college campuses, and you know they'll try to figure out exactly what they do. Back when Mike Shanahan drafted RG three with the Washington Redskins, Kyle Shanahan and some of the assistant coaches went to a couple different college camps. They went to Baylor, yep. and they said, "Okay, let let's figure out what this offense is." And they found a way to. To take those two offenses, you know, and and meld them together. Like, okay, here's our West Coast principles that we want to continue to have and we want to continue to run. Here's what meshes well with those principles. Here's what we're going to add to it. And they created this offense, this offense with a bunch of kind of RPO and zone read stuff and all the things Mm -hmm. that RG3 had done. And he went on to win the rookie of the year. And, And Mike told me, point blank, he said, we got RG3 had 3,000 some odd yards passing, had a bunch of TDs, you know, very limited interceptions. He had two or three, four interceptions, right? 20 plus TDs. He won the rookie of the year. Of those 3,000 yards, Mike Shannon told me 1,200 of the 3,000 yards came off one play called X Drift. It's a one read off a of play action, a one read receiver, the X side receiver. So based off the backside or the front side of that formation, so the X is on the weak side. So you've got tight end, you've got the Z receiver, right? The Z always goes strong with the tight end. So you've got X slant. So you load the front side, then you run some type of play action pass, right? That sucks up the linebacker on the weak side. So you show that ball to the back, mm-hmm. and then you throw that X. That's the only receiver. The other the other side of that, if you cut the football in half, the other side, you know what they run? What they call spacing routes. We just want to divide the field up and get everybody to sit in their spot. And we run one receiver. And all he does is a 12-yard in-cut, rounded cut. It's called X slant, or I mean, excuse me, X drift. And they got 1,200 yards passing of their 3,000 yards off of that play that there is no other option for the quarterback. It's the only guy you're reading. That's it. I mean, come on now. They eventually, the defenses will eventually adjust and figure it out, you know, and take it away. And then, you know, what do you do? Well, the the most encouraging thing for Lamar Jackson is it looks like you know, this is a guy that's going to continue to get better as just a pure passer. Yeah. And that ultimately is what leads to longevity in this league and sustained success in this league at the quarterback position is being able to win from the pocket. I I think all the running stuff, Mm -hmm. I do think the league will catch up. But I still don't think the league has ever really figured out the answer for a guy that can just win from the pocket. Right. Well, I, I think a couple of things. The running thing, the, the one of the things that's going to be hard is that's unaccounted for. You know, that quarterback is unaccounted for. So you actually get an extra man front side. Sometimes the way they run it, they get two extra guys or three. But 
you get an extra man. So that's going to be that's always going to give you some problems. It to me that y- yes, but right. haven't you noticed though that every quarterback that starts out running a lot, mm-hmm. his run attempts always start to go down. That you yeah because they 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 learn they don't. Right. They take a few hits. They don't want to get hit. Yeah. They, you know, they realize it's a lot safer in the pocket. Right. I, you know, I, they will, to a degree, they'll slow it down. They'll figure out a way. I, I'm 100% with you. The one thing that Baltimore has done a great job of. Otherwise, Mark, the other thing, you're, then what you're kind of intimating is, is that there may not be a way to truly stop this. Well, what I'm saying is there's always, there's always you're always going to have that number count advantage, right? It's all about the numbers, and and so that you always have that. You know, I've always said not to be barbaric, but I'd be like, "Hey, uh, running backs, you guys are gonna have a day today. Like, hey, safeties, get ready, because it's you and Mark Ingram, and it, just the difference between if you can roll down there and tackle him for six, or if he runs you over and he gets twelve. But Mark Ingram gonna have a day. But I know one guy who's not gonna have a day." Is number eight because we're gonna we're gonna smash him every time he puts that ball out that flags that ball. Ignore the running back, turn him over to the safeties, turn him over to the corners, turn him over to the secondary people, and smash number eight. And eventually, you know what you do as a coaching staff? You're like, Ooh, we got to protect number eight. Mm-hmm. So, like, eventually, those things will change. Their passing game. Their passing game, they've done a great job of implementing stuff that that he can throw, that he throws exceptionally well, and they haven't there's they're they're pretty simplistic. And one of the reasons they can do that is because to the RPO game, one of the things that everybody tries to do is play man to it. Keep your eyes on your work. That way you're not peeking into the backfield on that on that run pass option, right? The problem is when you're in that against him. What happens to you? Well, if you're running with receivers, your back's at that quarterback. And when he pulls it and he creates his own opening, like you know, we could sit there. I always get this one on, on Twitter. What you have to do with Lamar is you have to use a spy. Like, you guys are freaking idiots. <laughs> that doesn't work. You're like what you're gonna spy? spy? You're gonna spy a guy that is a supremely gifted athlete that's a quarter of the athlete, the guy you're spying, who's running at you and has wide open fields. Like, give me a flipping break on the spy bullshit. <laughs> it doesn't, it's like, that's a, in theory, that's, you know where the spy works? On the grease board. It's a great grease board theory. So, you, so you've, been in, you, you've never been in a meeting where you're, you're talking about covering punts, right? But one of the things that that good special teams coaches will tell you, first guy down, unblocked, first because there's always somebody that's unblocked, is the first guy down on the punt returner. You know what they tell those guys? What do you suppose they tell them? The the, the guy that's running down? The guy's coming, screaming down, and this guy is not going to fair catch it. And at some point it's going to be you and the guy, right? You what do you, What do you think they would tell those guys? It's your job to make a miss. Yeah, but what do you, the guy running down, oh, the, guy the, running the, the down. tackler? Yeah, what do you think they tell the tackler? 
Like common sense would tell you what to break down, right? Yeah, break down and yeah, get, gather yourself gather so you yourself, can react. Read his uh, read his hips, not his shoulders. You know, because you, you know what they tell you: try to decapitate that mother effer. Do not break down. Do not stop running. Try to run through that son of a bitch, right? Because what happens? You're probably not going to hit him. The odds of you hitting him are not good. But he's going to have to make such a dramatic move to make you avoid, to, to avoid you. He's got to go so far right or left. He's got to jump out of the way. Boom, his feet stop. Now here comes the cavalry. So the whole thing is try to decapitate him, try to run through his ass, but make him make such a dramatic move that he can't recover from it, that he's got to stop his feet. Because once he stops his feet, now we can break down and tackle that son of a bitch. That's the whole that's the whole theory going down there. So it's counterintuitive, right? So you're going to tell me you're going to spy Lamar Jackson with a guy standing flat-footed in the middle of the field. Give me a freaking break. You got no you got zero. You got less than no chance of making that happen. It's stupid. Yeah, he's he's what? 15 yards away. <laughs> Coming at running directly at you, and you're standing there flat with like, yeah. chop your feet. <laughs> you know, and there's, you know, 20 yards of open space all around you. Yeah. And he's not going to make you miss. Right. Come on. Give me a break. Call timeout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is your only option. That's Just call timeout. Hey, hey, spy guy, call timeout. <laughs> spy guy. Well, we we started with spying and we end with spying. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And look, it came full circle. circle How about that? Circle of life. Hey, for everybody involved in the Sinking Truth Podcast, we thank you for listening. Please share with all your friends and family, unless you hate us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, later. <laughs>